How are you doing? It's Tuesday, the 27th of April, 2021. It's five o'clock UK time, British summertime. It's me, the BBG. I'll be with you for the next two hours. And I'll be taking your phone calls this evening as well. I'm looking forward to that, so I am. It's the BBG, not the BBC. You're listening to the Richie Allen Radio Show, live from Salford in Greater Manchester. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. And if you don't fancy talking to me on the phone or Skype, although I can't for a minute think why not, if you don't, you can drop me a tweet, BBG Richie, okay? You can drop me a tweet or leave a message over on Facebook. As always, I'm thrilled to be here. I can I can imagine what you might want to talk about a little bit later on. You might have been in London amongst three quarters of a million to a million people. You might have been there. You might want to talk about that. You can talk about anything to Uncle Richie. Yes, so you can. And, I'm, well, first of all, I suppose I'd better give you the contact details. There's an article on richieallen.co.uk with a rather silly picture of me in a messianic pose. Far from messianic now, am I? No ideas. That's an in-joke. Paul Ripley took that photograph in Manchester and we giggle about it. So it isn't... Uh, I haven't left planet Earth. The ego is where it always was and always will be grounded. But I did put a, a an article on richieallen.co.uk with the contact details, which are very simple. The best way to reach me is on Skype because it's free. It's chat with Richie, all one word, chat with Richie. If that doesn't suit you, you can telephone me. It's a Manchester number 0161 And if you're calling from overseas, although, again, you shouldn't do that, it'll cost you. It's plus 4416181820182018. Please, if you phoned me recently, don't phone in today. One of the great things about these phone-ins, usually the majority of calls are from first-time callers, and I like that. You see, we've got a very broad listenership and I like that. I want to keep it that way. So if you have phoned in recently, give it a miss today. If you've never done it before, please consider chatting with me. I'm uh, easy to talk to, at least I think. But I thought we'd um, we'd liven it up a bit today. And if you do call me and you do get through, if you're interesting and engaging, you will hear this. Fabulous. It's all good. <laughs> yes. You will hear that. If you are boring and repetitive, you will hear this. Get the fuck off of my obstacle! Get the fuck down off of my obstacle! Now! All right. I'm only joking. I'm not going to do that to you. Madness that. Three and a half minutes past. I love that. I love that. Get the fuck off of my obstacle! (laughs) Get the fuck down off of my obstacle! That's the way to get chucked off a live phone-in show. Anyway, appearing on Good Morning Britain this morning, the environmentalist Dunica McCarthy said that owning pets is selfish and that we shouldn't replace our existing pets when they die because of their carbon footprint. The batshit crazy Mr McCarthy 
was on Good Morning Britain to debate a woman called Julie Bradbury, who hosts the programme Country File. McCarthy said we don't need pets, and that by keeping cats and dogs in city homes and apartments, we're giving them a horrendous life. (laughs) Apparently, he went on to claim that emissions from the average dog is equivalent to two households of electricity in a year. Did McCarthy. He said to head off the coming climate apocalypse, we need to divest ourselves of things that are convenient but not necessarily essential, said McCarthy. No more pets. We've got to think of the consequences of pets. Did you hear that, Tom? No. Could you repeat it? Because I I can't believe my fucking ears. Yeah, a, a madman, Tom, has said basically that we should end the practice of homing pets to save the world. Anything to say, Amy? What kind of fuckery are you? He's a madman, Your Honour. A madman. Deranged. Here he is, Dunnock McCarthy on GMB. There was a study done in the journal Biosciences last year in 2019 that stated the carbon emissions from the average dog is equivalent to the household, two households' electricity for a year. So we do have an issue here of carbon emissions associated with our, our pets. And so, like everything else, you know, cars are convenient, flights are convenient, uh, cats and, and pets are, conven- are, are, are nice to have, but we have to think <laughs> of the consequences behind them. Yeah, but what, what are the consequences of what you're saying? Um, I, I mean, people... There should be consequences, Susanna. He should be sectioned. They should section batshit lunatics like Donica McCarthy. There was a time when you would have been sectioned for saying that. Not anymore. Not only are you not sectioned, not only are you not dragged away by your heels by men in white coats and women. Yeah. Uh, but now they'll put you on national television to say this crap. People love their pets like members of their family. Yes. You know, we're a drain on resources as well. No, we're not, you bint. We're not. So, uh, you know, this has implications for, for everyone, doesn't it? Oh, God. Sure. Um, people, it's about love, isn't it? Um, Behind the, that loving cat or dog that we have, there's a, there's a whole ocean of cruelty. Behind the cat or the dog we love, there is an ocean of cruelty. How? How, pray tell, Dunica, how? Whether it's the destruction of rainforests for the meat. The destruction of rainforests for the meat that goes into the whiskers, right? And the pedigree chum. The destruction of the seas for the fish to feed our cats. The destruction of the seas for the fish to feed our cats. The real problem is the numbers. Yeah, but uh, Donica, my point is you could be talking about human beings as well. I mean, it's, it's one thing to give up your car, but you're not going to give up a loved member of your family. Which Susanna is... I don't know anything about Susanna Reid. I know nothing about her. And I don't have a misogynistic streak. I certainly do not have a misogynistic bone in my body. But she is too thick to realise what she's actually saying. What about us? It will eventually be you, Susanna, you cloth-eared bint. Eventually they are going to take this to its inevitable conclusion that we shouldn't have any more children. Obviously. What about us? We're a drain as well, she says. Well, yes. Yes, of course. That'll be the new thing in, in coming weeks, months and years. Yeah, don't have any kids. First they came for the pets and we did nothing. Then they said you can't have any more babies. Because we cut down the rainforests and we, we, we sweep the seas clean for products for baby food. We can't have babies anymore either. Family, which frankly is what people consider cats and dogs. Well, if we love our members of our family, if we love our kids, do you not accept we have to look after the climate crisis? Look after the climate crisis. 
this well, this you know, actually, firstly, I want to look after my kids and my pets. That's, well, that's, that's quite what shocking. I... Shocking. That's quite shocking. Do you understand the level of prices that the carbon emissions are in, currently in the planet? We well, all you think I shouldn't be looking after my children and my pets? I'm saying that to look after and love your children, you have to look after your carbon emissions because we are in an emergency. Look after your carbon emissions. If you love your children, you will look after your carbon emissions. Cats and dogs poo. That poo creates carbon. And that is dangerous for us all, said Donica. And the government accepts we're in an emergency. The scientists have said we've passed the safe tipping point. This may, may mean by the end of middle of this century. Middle of this century. When our kids are just around 30 years old. When our kids are 30. Old, they may be facing a planet that's facing starvation, floods <laughs> and climate destruction. We are in an emergency. We have to we're in the seriousness of it. We're in an emergency, says Donica. Ah, uh, Pat, he's useless, isn't he? You have got me there. <laughs> As useless as tits on a boar. As useless <coughs> as tits on a boar. But they put them on telly now. They put them on telly. Don't have any pets and eventually don't have any babies. Right, we'll leave that one there. This is serious. A major survey concluded that lockdowns are having a devastatingly negative impact on child development. Tell us something we don't know. Data taken from 50,000 pupils and a survey of schools across England revealed that an increased number of four- and five-year-olds need urgent help with their language skills. The Education Endowment Foundation um, suggests that the lockdowns have deprived the very youngest children of social contact and experiences which are essential for developing their vocabulary. Yes, little or no contact with grandparents, social distancing, no play dates and the wearing of face masks in public have left children less exposed to conversations and everyday experienced experiences even and has terrified the living bejesus out of them. Of course, 58 primary schools surveyed across England, 76 said, excuse me, 76% said pupils starting school in September 2020 needed more support with communication than in previous years. 96% of those 58 schools said they were concerned about pupils' speech and language development. And 56% of parents were concerned about their child starting at school following the lockdown in the spring and summer of last year. Let's hear from Libby. I didn't get her surname, but she's a consultant speech and language therapist for an organisation called Small Talk. She's an expert and was on BBC Radio 5 Live's breakfast programme with Nikki Campbell this morning. And she's good. If we look in general terms... As humans, we are hardwired for social interaction. So babies are born with this hardwiring. And if we don't get that social interaction, it will delay our language and communication development. And it's been something that, you know, I've thought about every time I've smiled at a baby in B&Q when I've got my mask on. They can't see me smiling. Um, and if we look at reasons for language and communication delay, there was a brilliant study done by the Bristol Research Unit a few years ago. Uh, because children do have language delays, up to 50% in some areas ordinarily. And so they looked at what's causing these delays. And um, the three factors. First one, how does the parent feel about themselves? So if they're worried about things or concerned, they're not able to give their child the good quality interactions that they would ordinarily. So if you're worried about housing, money... Mm -hmm. And let's face it, we've all been worried about what's going to happen, haven't we? We've, we've all been 
we've all been there on that one. Um, the second factor was the, the places that they go. So they were looking at, you know, do they go to the children's centres, the libraries, etc. Well, these children have been nowhere. And the third one are the play opportunities available. So again, they've not had the play opportunities either. So the three main factors uh, involved in, in language and communication delay have been there for all children. So we're going to see what SpeechLink reported on this morning. Um, you know, and if you think about the preschoolers, by the time they start school, almost every educational aspect presupposes a basic level of language and communication. And if it isn't there, they can't access it. So we're going to get these gaps that were there before widening. Widening, right. She also had plenty to say about face masks. Is she concerned about face masks and the impact they have on young children. Massive problem. Um, you know, Rosie was talking about how you can't see it for the for the phonics and the phonological awareness because you can't read that. But we need to see people to read their faces to know how they're feeling, to get the complete message. Uh, I don't recognise people that well with a mask on and I'm a fully grown adult. Um, so, you know, it does, it really impacts our communication because social interaction is the key and having a mask on, um, you know, not only you know, hinders your auditory processing, but we need those visual clues. We need that visual feedback for interaction too. I wasn't being melodramatic on the website today when I described it as child abuse. It's child abuse because they know the impact it is having on children today and what it means for those children in the next few years. A tsunami of mental health problems, drug addiction, hopelessness, emotional problems. They know this, you see. It was never about a virus. I think you know that now. I don't think you'd be here otherwise. Speaking of masks, Fox News presenter Tucker Carlson had plenty to say about masks on his programme last evening. Pulling no punches here. Not sure I agree with all of this, but I do understand his frustration. Not even Tony Fauci still pretends that masks are medically necessary. Instead, masks are purely a sign of political obedience, like Kim Il-sung pins in Pyongyang. We wear them because we have to. The only people who wear masks voluntarily outside are zealots, and neurotics. How neurotic are they? Well, we know. A Pew survey from last March found that 64% of white Americans who classify themselves as liberal or very liberal have been diagnosed with an actual mental health condition. And you see them everywhere when you walk down the street in any major city. If you dare to go on foot from Union Station to the Capitol, for example, in Washington without wearing a mask, angry Biden voters will snort at you in judgment. How could you? They're saying from behind the gauze. How could you? That's the question we should be asking of them in return. The rest of us should be snorting at them first. They're the aggressors. It's our job to brush them back and restore the society we were born in. So the next time you see someone in a mask on the sidewalk or on the bike path, do not hesitate. Ask politely but firmly, would you please take off your mask? Science shows there is no reason for you to be wearing it. Your mask is making me uncomfortable. We should do that and we should keep doing it until wearing a mask outside is roughly as socially accepted as lighting a Marlboro in an elevator. It's repulsive. Don't do it around other people. That's the message we should send because it's true. As for forcing children to wear masks outside, that should be illegal. Your response when you see children wearing masks as they play should be no different from your response to seeing someone beat a kid in Walmart. Call the police immediately. Contact Child Protective Services. Keep calling until someone arrives. 
What you're looking at is abuse, it's child abuse, and you are morally obligated to attempt to prevent it. If it's your own children being abused, then act accordingly. Let's say your kid's school emailed you to announce that every day after lunch, your sixth grader was going to get punched in the face by a teacher. How would you respond to that? That's precisely how you should respond when they tell you that your kids have to wear masks on the soccer field. That is unacceptable, it is dangerous, and we should act like it, because it is. Mm. All right, I, I understand. I wouldn't advise harassing people, random strangers, on the street because they are wearing masks, you see. You can't have your cake and eat it. You can't, on the one hand, in my opinion anyway, demand that you be allowed go about your life without your mask, which which I do, and I'm sure you do, and that that you be left alone. But on the other hand, then go and harass people to take off their masks. People have to figure it out for themselves, is what I would say, but that's just my opinion. Well, dear listener, it's time for... Long COVID. Long COVID is in the news. Oh, yeah. Long COVID is in the news again. There is a long COVID clinic in Croydon. Yes, there is. And there's a doctor there called Yogini Raste. I'm sure that's how it's pronounced. Yogini is a respiratory consultant working at the long COVID clinic. And far more important than proving that long COVID is real, far more important than that is that we believe people when they say they have it. Honest to be Jesus. You're going to hear a doctor tell a radio presenter that it's important, in the absence of any evidence, that we believe people when they self-diagnose, yeah, diagnose themselves as being a long COVID sufferer. What does that remind you of? I'm a lady! But you've got a seven-inch ding-a-ling. I know, but I'm a lady! We need to believe those who identify as long COVID sufferers. Here's Yogini Raste, consultant respiratory doctor, with the BBC's Rachel Burden. What, what do you think is the most effective way to help people get back to some sort of normality in their lives? Believe them. I think, um, I mean, until we have a greater understanding of the pathophysiology, so what's driving some of these symptoms, all we can try to do is listen to the patients. And I think one of the uh, patients that you interviewed earlier said that they just want to be believed. And I think that's really important that that as clinicians, we take people seriously. Uh, there are huge numbers. Um, I think Jim Reed, your reporter, said that earlier. But got to remember that each of those people is a person and their story is very individual and you have to listen to their individual concerns and try to address them as best you can. Yes, evidence-based medicine is a thing of the past. What's the best thing you can do for these people? Well, Rachel, uh, believe them. In the absence of any evidence that there's anything really wrong with them, we should just believe them and, and open a clinic Open a clinic for long COVID, even though there's no evidence whatsoever that it's a real thing. 
it's mad, isn't it? We are. This is an open-air lunatic asylum now. Planet Earth. 20 minutes past five o'clock. That went on, by the way. Madness. At 20 minutes past five. This is the Richie Allen Radio Show. I'm going to give you the phone-in details again. They are on the website. By the way, richieallen.co.uk under a little article where I tell you that I'll be taking your calls. It is chat with Richie, all one word, on Skype. Now, there is no T in Richie. Please understand that. I've been saying this for seven years. Why am I... Why am I still saying it? Chat with Richie, all one word. If you want to call me, it's a plus four four one six one eight one eight two zero one eight. Internationally, you shouldn't do that. You should Skype me. Inside the UK, 0161818 And if you're not very good on the phone... Get the fuck off of my obstacle! Get the fuck down off of my obstacle! Now! But if you're brilliant... Fabulous. It's all good. (laughs) I'm not going to do that to you. Don't worry about that. I've never had a bad phone call in years and years and years and years and years and years of doing radio phone-ins. I've never had anything other than entertaining calls. So let's keep that going. That 100% record. I'll be taking your calls in about 10 to 15 minutes' time. Charlotte says long COVID is a hypochondriac's wet dream. Like the COVID testing centres are a hypochondriac's mecca. I tend to agree with that. I do. And I'm also acutely aware, by the way, that when you do have a genuine respiratory infection, for several weeks afterwards, it isn't uncommon to feel a bit blue, to feel a bit low, to be a bit fatigued and to have trouble sleeping. It's not unusual, but that is not, that is not and should never be called... Matt Hancock's long COVID. Matt Hancock, by the way, is cock-a-hoop today. He's um, full of piss and vinegar because apparently he's uh, in a position himself now to get a coronavirus vaccine. That'd be the beleaguered health secretary, Matt Hancock. He's absolutely over the moon. They've begun vaccinating people over 42 now. Over 42. And he said he's very happy. He said, I'm very happy. I'm, 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 I'm standing by the phone. He was trying to read an autocue today. You can't see this. This is radio. But it's apparent even without the visual aid that the dipstick can't do a simple thing like read an autocue. It couldn't be any easier, but he struggles. I'm very excited to be able to tell you that today we are opening vaccination up to people aged 43 and 42, which includes me. So I'm really looking forward to getting my text. Yesterday we opened up to people aged 44. That's gone very, very well. Thank you to the to the hundreds of thousands who've come forward and booked your appointment. Bullshit. And now we're able to go uh, that little bit uh, further. This vaccination rollout is going incredibly well. The uptake is astonishingly high. So when you get your text, please come forward and get your jab. Fuck off. No chance. Uh, by the way, the oft-mentioned El Frogo Tremendo, otherwise known as Her Indoors, she got a text today. Uh, I got a letter. She got a text. She got a text today saying, you know, it's time you come and have a jab. Like me, El Frogo Magnifico won't be going anywhere near the vaccination centre for a jab. Alrighty. 
Let's do a, a more serious story then. I'm going to play you a little bit of audio now. It does go on for a few minutes. Human Rights Watch today accused Israel of pursuing policies of apartheid and persecution against the Palestinians that amount to crimes against humanity. It's a very detailed report, 213 pages long. The organisation said it wasn't trying to compare Israel with apartheid-era South Africa, but rather it was assessing whether specific acts and policies constitute apartheid as defined under international law. Now, Human Rights Watch states in the report stated in the report. Across Israel and the Palestinian territories, Israeli authorities have pursued an intent to maintain domination over Palestinians by exercising control over land and demographics for the benefit of Jewish Israelis. On this basis, the report concludes that Israeli officials have committed the crimes against humanity of apartheid and persecution as defined under the 1973 Apartheid Convention and the 1998 Rome Statute. Now, obviously, Israel pushed back pretty hard. Its Strategic Affairs Minister, Michael Bitten, said, The purpose of this spurious report is in no way related to human rights, but to an ongoing attempt by HRW to undermine the state of Israel's right to exist as the nation-state of the Jewish people. Now, Vincent Fien, Sir Vincent Fien, if you please, is a former British Consul General for Jerusalem. He knows the area very well. And this afternoon, he went on Sky News and was interviewed by Sarah Houston, who asked him to comment. And I'm going to play you the bulk of this because it's very good. So Sir Vincent Fien, former British Consul General for Jerusalem, sympathetic to the plight of Palestine and the Palestinians. He is, as you will hear. Here he is. Yeah, I've got it. I was in Jerusalem and the rest of the West Bank and Gaza as a UK Consul General between 2010 and 2014. Uh, my job was to uh, speak for the British government to Palestinians. I think the trend was in this direction already. The trend was already there. I recall... Boris Johnson, as Foreign Secretary, saying to uh, Mr. Netanyahu, either you have two states or you have a kind of apartheid system. And what's clear today, I think, is that not only Human Rights Watch, a highly reputable international NGO, but also the, the most prestigious Israeli NGO, B'Tselem, have both come out with the word apartheid. Mm. Uh, I think it's accurate. I regret it. I think it's a challenge to us all, and in particular, it's a challenge to Israel's friends and allies, like Boris Johnson, who want the best for Israel and for Palestinians. And you've highlighted the use of that word apartheid. I think it's mentioned 200 times in this report. Obviously has its roots in South Africa. Human Rights Watch say they're using it in a legal context here. Is it appropriate? I think it's logical. The word that I would use, I would put together three words, inequality, separation and discrimination. That's what I witnessed. Palestinians do not enjoy the same rights as Israelis. They're under occupation in those places that I mentioned. Separation, the settlements on the West Bank, are separate from the bulk of the land and guarded by a fence and by armed guards. 
and Palestinians are not allowed to enter. Gaza, you remember David Cameron said that Gaza is the biggest open-air prison in the world. That was in 2009. 21, uh, 11 years later, it's, it's a worse situation in Gaza. There is what I would call um, the, the issue of forced transfer of Palestinians from homes in East Jerusalem and the West Bank and collective punishment of the two million people of Gaza for the deeds of a few. And I think that therefore this word is accurate. I would use my own, unequal and separate. Those are words that were used by John Kerry, the last US Secretary of State before the Trump administration came in. And his words are prophetic. What he said then was that he feared that unless there was a change of course by the Israeli government, then we would see Israel separate and unequal. In the occupied Palestinian territories, I think we are seeing that now. What of Israel's response, though, Sir Vincent, that these are fictional claims made by a group that has long pursued an anti-Israeli agenda? They are both preposterous and false. So this is Sir Vincent Fien now. Just to remind you, he worked in as a consul general in Jerusalem for several years. Uh, you might not think so, but he is going as far as any commentator has gone in recent years in criticising the apartheid racist state of Israel. Now, you might think his criticisms are mild. Believe me, compared to what we've had in recent years, this guy is pushing the envelope a little bit now. What about Israel's denial of it and, and Israel's claims that Human Rights Watch, the, the, the report is preposterous? Are both preposterous and false. Yeah. I've read the report. Uh, I think it's fair. Uh, I gather that the Israeli government were given the opportunity to comment back in July last year and uh, declined to do so. Um, so I do not expect other from the Israeli government than denial. If I may turn our attention briefly to the British government, we have some responsibility here. Historically, uh, Britain was engaged in what was then Mandate Palestine from 1917 to 48. We ran the place and our legacy is not good. Um, so I would ask each of us to just think what should the British response be to this report? Sanction Israel back to the Stone Age. Offer three thoughts. The first is that the words that we use to describe it should be accurate, not the words of the 1990s. And I fear that my, my old uh, department, uh, the Foreign Commerce and Development Office, is using 1990s language to describe this situation now. He's saying the Foreign Development and Commonwealth Office won't use the term apartheid. And he's saying it is apartheid. And he says that he agrees with the report. The report is accurate. The second is that Britain should support the two-state solution, which has been its policy for 20, 30 years, by recognising the state of Palestine, albeit under occupation, on those 1967 lines. The occupation has lasted 53 years. And the third one is to allow the international juridical system to function. That means, in this case, allowing the International Criminal Court, which has recently opened an investigation into not only Israeli actions in the occupied Palestinian territory, but also Palestinian actions from Gaza. 
That's Sir Vincent Fien there. Like I said, going as far as anybody in recent memory in criticising Israel. He talked about the UK having history there, Britain having history. He mentioned 1917, the Balfour Declaration, right up until, of course, the partition of Palestine by the UN Resolution in 1947. Under international law, the UK had no legitimate mandate over, over Palestine. If anybody did, it was Turkey under the terms, under a League of Nations pact. You see, the Sykes-Picot Agreement of 1916, followed by the Balfour Declaration, this was basically, not to put too fine a point on it, the French and the British were basically carving up the Ottoman Empire. They had no right to do that. Israel is illegitimate under international law. It doesn't have any legal right to exist. Something I've been saying for 20 years, much to the annoyance of many. But it's a fact, right? That's the way it is. Amnesty International last year, uh, in 2020, this went unnoticed, of course, because of the coronavirus pandemic. Went, it went largely unnoticed. Amnesty went pretty far to talking about the arbitrary detention of children the torture of children by Israeli defence forces with impunity, the targeting of women, the shooting dead of unarmed people, throwing people out of their homes. Um, we've not touched on this much now in the last 12 months, but it's a, obviously a subject that was, would appear regularly on this radio programme over the years. I don't imagine, if things are difficult for us and if things have become difficult for people under the jackboot of the tyranny of lockdowns in, in this scam, this scamdemic, this nonsensical COVID thing, imagine what it's like for people in Gaza. Just for a minute, I would say. 27 minutes to the top of the hour. We'll leave that there for now. You can Skype me. It's Chat with Richie. It's Chat with Richie on Skype. My phone number is 0161-818-2018. I ask you kindly, as I always do, if you've been on a recent phone-in, uh, give it a miss today, please. Thanks. And I would say to you, if you haven't phoned me before, pick up the phone and have your say. You might have been in London on Saturday. Uh, you might be getting harassed about taking a vaccine. You, you, your employer or your employers might be asking you about vaccines. You can talk to me about anything. I've given you the details. There is a meme now on Twitter and on Facebook with those details in case you didn't catch them as I was giving them to you there. Yeah, all right. Let me just bring you this from uh, my great friend Spiro Skouras, uh, who's in Arizona. Top man. Go and find him on YouTube. Uh, Spiro Skouras, activistpost.com. Uh, a woman is paralysed in a hotel in... Na hotel? God damn it. Uh, a woman lies paralysed in a Nashville hospital and claims that she received... Uh, a Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine before becoming gravely ill. I will put that link on Twitter when I get a chance at the end of the programme. Uh, while I'm on that, a couple of friends of mine have told me, I won't mention who they are, anecdotally, a couple, one in Ireland, one in Manchester, that um, one person became gravely ill after having an AstraZeneca vaccine and another person died not long after having an AstraZeneca vaccine. Anyway, I'm going to take your calls now. Chat with Richie on Skype and I've given you the phone number. Uh, get in touch. Be patient. I'll get as many calls as I can in and I will ask you to be as, not, not so much to be as brief, but be as to the point as you possibly can. I think it's Adam first up. How you doing, Adam? I'm good, mate. How are you? I'm not too shabby. Where are you calling from? Manchester, my friend. Good man. So you're, like you. you're in God's country. Adam, uh, you, you're kicking us off, my friend. What would you like to say? 
I just want to say, you know what, I love what you do. You are the best guy ever. <laughs> the way you do your voiceovers and stuff as well, you know, on the news. People are going to oh, think I set this up, Adam. This is sounding too much like a loving. They're going to say I set you up to say <laughs> this stuff. But thanks very much. I appreciate the compliments, but I don't deserve them. Um, what did you come on to say? I just wanted to ask about Fingy, um, the doctor, Dr. Vernon Coleman. He said you're going to have him on every Monday, but... Not heard of him for. He like took a break, few. didn't he? He 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 took a break for a while. I've not uh, I've, I've not I've not heard from him since. And last I heard, I think he'd stopped doing his videos. I'm not quite sure. No, he did say he's back on again. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He posted about a week later, I think. All right, so he stopped doing his videos because he was getting trolled, and then he's restarted yeah. them. I think that's the last I I heard from from Vernon. All right. Yeah, I just thought. Obviously, I was just wondering if you can get him back on again. You both got on very well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's no problem with Vernon Coleman. Um, but uh, as far as I understood, Adam, he was given up the media appearances and stuff. So uh, until I hear otherwise, we'll, we'll just have to play it by ear. How have you been getting on with everything yourself in, um, in the last uh, few months? I won't say the last 12 months, but um, where we are now, uh, you, you know, seemingly coming to the end of it, seemingly. Um, how do you feel about things now and how things are going? Yeah, it's not too bad. Everyone's kind of getting used to it now. But there's been that new thing about them COVID marshals as well as there. They're trying to recruit for Tell in me. July. Educate me. I didn't know that. Who's trying to recruit them? Yeah, I think I don't know what council it. Hertfordshire Council, I think. Um, they're trying to recruit them, like a three million pound contract or something. For Go on. So, so presumably, so when they open up, open so when, so because things are presumably going to open up more at the end of June, um, yeah. they want to get COVID marshals to follow people around. Yeah, it don't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> Have you come across exactly. any in Manchester, Adam? I, I believe they they are operational in Market Street in Manchester, but it's been so long since I was in the city centre. I, I've not seen them. No, I've, I've seen them first, like when the first started coming about, but I think a lot of people started chasing after him and questioning him. <laughs> Did they? And then they ran away. Right. <laughs> come back. I, I, I'm not sure I agree with chasing after people, but I suppose if it's uh, if it's just <laughs> to speak to them, um, I don't think I don't think there's any. I, I I can't imagine being desperate enough to do that type of job, Adam. You know, I don't know about yeah. you. I don't know why you would like. No. No, mate. Adam, I'm going to move swiftly on because I'm getting a lot of calls today. Yeah, nice friend, to chat yeah. with you. Thanks for, for, for phoning in, buddy. Uh, that was Adam there from Manchester. Lots of calls coming. I am going to get through them all. We've, we're going to the phones now. Who have I got on the phone? That's you. Hello. You're live. Who am I speaking with? Oh, Richie. Hi. It's, uh, my name's Pietro Palmiero. Pietro. How are you doing, Pietro? We've come across one another on social media. I think we may well have done. Yes. Yeah, I, I think I we have. That we have. Yeah, but First I think... Well, that... thanks for acknowledging it, actually. No, no, I, I, I have a fairly decent memory now. I'm Early onset dementia, you do, you I think, is with impressed. me. Yeah, I know we did. We, we had a chat, I think, some time ago on social media. Where are you calling from, my friend, and what did you come on to say? Right, OK. Um, well, I'm calling from uh, Milton Keynes uh, in Buckinghamshire, and um, I wanted to have a little chat about your old friend, um, Gene Ann Crowley. Well, I, I feel I might have been offensive there. Gene Ann Crowley? Gene Ann Crowley, um, yes. Crowley, yes. When she was last on your show, um, she mentioned that she was um, looking to, I don't know if it was write a book or maybe make, um, you know, write a, 
a summary of people's sort of awakening, as it were. That's right. And that's an ongoing thing. As far as I know, Pietro, I, oh, I, I, yeah, I understand that when Jean Anne came on, she was inundated later on um, by lots and lots of messages from people from all over the place um, sharing their experiences with her. So I don't think that's um, gone by the wayside. I think it's just uh, it's going to take a bit of time, that. Fantastic. So, so yet you haven't heard anything more on that. Well, I speak to her regularly now, but I have to confess, I probably should have followed it up with her. I'll have to ask her. Well, I I mean, I just wanted to sort of maybe sort of, um, you know, sort of mention what kind of woke me up to um, to, 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 to what's really going on in the world. And it it started quite young in my case. I mean, I'm, you know, uh, I'm in my 60s and I'm I'm a proud father of four and proud grandfather of uh, four grandchildren. Um, and I remember as a child, you know, I used to watch um, westerns yeah. um, with my father, and uh, you know, um, the cavalry would come along to save the day and, and wipe out the, um, you know, the uh, native Indians, you know, in, in America, obviously. And, uh, and I thought they were wonderful. And then you get to an age and you realise that the native Indians were merely defending their their sovereign territory. Yeah. And, and and then it goes, it, you know, it goes on from there. You realise the same happened to the Eskimos, you know, um, in, in Canada, you know, the Aztecs in South America, uh, the Zulus in Africa, the Aborigines, you know, in, in Australia. And, um, and, and it's all down to, you know, the imperialism of, of the white man, normally. <laughs> And, and, any, uh, and did it occur to you at some stage, Pietro, that the films were, were more than just entertainment? There was a bit more going on, wasn't there, with respect to those you know, films? Brilliant. That's brilliant. Yeah, of course. I mean, you know, we didn't realise it at the time, but we were being brainwashed. You know, we were yeah. being convinced that, um, you know, the imperialist agenda was, was the righteous right. one, and, and, and it was and that, fine and dandy. Yeah. And, um, somebody said know, that to yeah. me once on the program. Somebody said to me years ago. I think it was a native. I think it was a Native American woman who was in Spain on holiday, believe it or not, and phoned in one night when I was in Spain, and she said, "Richie, exactly what you said there, Pietro." She said, "Those films really were basically designed to paint a picture in people's minds that the Native Americans were savages, wanton, wild, uneducated, primitive savages, and that they were saved by, you know, by." Um, basically by the cavalry as it were yeah, yeah. And, that, and, and those you know, films I mean, were to do that yeah uh, but, but looking back you know it, it, it's laughable and and also and then of course you, you know um as you know as hollywood um you know the film industry developed of course well it, it, it went beyond there you know all the atrocities that that, that have been committed since you know yeah. uh, essentially always paint a picture in in, in and i'll say our, our favor you know, yeah. um, rather than our enemies' favour, as it were. And you then, Pietro, um, understanding that, you're in your 60s now, you said you have four children. So once you come to that conclusion, do you then, thereafter, do you watch television uh, programmes and movies with a different eye? Of course, of course. And, and uh, you know, and uh, with a critical ear, uh, an open mind, you know, I'm always one uh, wanting to sort of hear both sides of the story. Yeah. Um, I've been telling my children for years, you know, don't always believe what you hear. The media is often, you know, controlled. We, we see it now. With, I, I didn't want to mention COVID, but, but clearly, um, y- y- you know, um, and I'm sure 
um, I'm kind of going to earn some brownie points with your listeners that, that you know, that there's so many um, experts, you know, whether they be scientists, virologists, um, doctors, you know, who um, have an opposing view and yet they don't have a platform yeah. um, to, to air those views. And yet here we are. I mean, if, and if you take, I don't know, GMB, you know, Good Morning Britain as, a, as an example, you know, they roll out um, the likes of um, Dr. Hillary Jones. Um, to give his view. You know, they they had that guy, I think it was either yesterday or the day before, um, the guy who uh, kicked out um, Sakir Starmer at his pub um, because he felt that he betrayed his, his Labour Party members. Yeah, the guy in Bath, and, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and they, and, and you know, uh, and they had the two journalists, you know, is it Andrew um, Pierce? is it? Or Andrew Pierce, um, Daily Mail, yeah, and, conservative guy. And the yeah. other guy, their name their names escape me, forgive me. Um, but they, they, Kevin Maguire and Andrew Pierce, I reckon. Kevin Maguire, that, that's it. Well, well, well done. But but you know the ad hominem attacks was was unbelievable. I mean I mean it, Dr. Hillary, you know, turned around and said, "Oh, I think you should stick to pulling your pints," you know, but yeah. in a really derogatory manner. Yeah. You know, and yet the guy made a really good argument. You, you know, in defence, uh, uh, you know, of his fellow uh, publicans, you know, uh, and their plight. You know, and I, I thought. Well, Tony, you're speaking for me too, you know. Yeah. Um, although I've been lucky enough to be able to, to, to continue trading, you know, it hasn't affected me so much, but I know plenty of people that, that it has. And what about your, um, cause, uh, because you're in your 60s, presumably your children are fully grown now. How, I, I'm mindful of time, Pietro, because I'm getting a lot of calls. Oh, no, but, no, no, no stop, don't apologise to me. I'm very interested in listening to you, you and what you have to say. And I wanted to ask you about the, 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 the children. How has it impacted on them? Are you a granddad? Do some of your own children have children? And how has it been for them? Well, um, I'm, I'm really lucky. Um, I've, you know, they're, they're very open-minded. Um, they're, they're, they're very happy to, to, to listen uh, to, to dad's eccentric views sometimes, you know. I'm probably, I could be classed a little bit as a, as a conspiracy theorist. There's many things that, that I've questioned over the years and I, yeah. and I do like to get informed. Um, you know, I, I would never insist I'm right, but, but you know, if I've got an opposing view, I like, I like to air it and, and you know, and, and open a debate, you know, if you like. Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, I'm very proud of them. Um, they, they, they too are very open-minded and, and they often come to me and say, look, Dad, have you, have you seen this? Have you heard this? And, um, and hopefully... Um, they can pass it on to their kids. I mean, I, you know, I, the future, if I'm honest, I, I'm, I'm beca- as this goes on, I'm becoming sort of less and less hopeful that things will get back to something where, you know, where, we, the, you know, where my grandchildren would enjoy the freedoms I had. Um, you know, a carefree existence. You know, you have to understand, you know, I'm the product of an immigrant. Yeah. You know, my, my father sort of emigrated from Italy in the 50s, you know, because he wanted to give me a, a better chance, you know, a better quality of life. And he was very sort of defensive of this country, very proud that it had given him an opportunity to, you know, settle here. Sadly, he's passed on, you know, he, he died in 2008. But, um, and, and I remember the story you talked about, your name, you know, that, that old Italian gentleman, he his ways, but... But, you know, it was so lovely to have people say some very complimentary things about my father, you know, and, yeah. and, 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 I, and I'm bursting with pride. But, but, but anyway, um, yeah, you've got to remain positive. Stay Steve. positive. I know, I, I know um, I sound like a hypocrite when I, when I say stay positive because I have my moments as well. But I think if you've got yeah. people around you that you love and who love you, ultimately we'll, we'll be all right in the end. Whatever happens, I think we'll yeah. be... 
Will you all right? Yeah, hundred percent. Listen, yeah. that 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 is, that is the most important thing, and I, and I'm sure you know most of your um, listeners, you know, um, are, are in the same position. You know. Yeah, try, um, I'm, going, I'm going to move on if you don't yeah. mind. It's just I'm getting yeah. so many no, calls. No, no, it's lovely to hear from you, by the way, because I do remember, I do remember us having an exchange on social media, probably a couple we, we, of years. We did. Ago. Yeah, so yeah, um, thank you for well, thanks for, you again. Thanks for calling in and uh, I, I don't ordinarily do this now and I don't want to come across as rude I'm far from rude but I'm getting um, so many calls coming in at the moment I, I need to start taking some uh, Mick is next actually uh, and now the system seems to be freezing is it freezing I mean don't freeze on me don't do that to me oh god what's going on let me stop that right there I think we might have Mick have we got Mick Mick is next uh, it's chat with Richie all one word on Skype if you want to reach me on Skype chat with Richie all one word. If you need to phone the programme, the, the number is 0161818018 and because there's a, there always is a high volume of calls but it's exceptional today, I'm going to ask you to be as brief as you can. Mick, you're very welcome to the programme. How are you doing? You're in Technicolor there, Mick. I can see you in glorious Technicolor on the old camera. Where, where are you calling from, my friend? And you've muted your microphone, I think, because I can't hear you. Try and unmute the mic there if you can, and we should hear you then. We've got Mick on the line. I can see him, but he can't see me. Still can't hear him. He's speaking to me, but we can't hear him. I'll tell you what we'll do, Mick. No panic, no panic. Um, I see that your microphone is muted. I can see that there. How are you? Are you there now? Better. Ah, get in there. All you have to do is unmute the mic, you see. How are you doing, mate? Where are you calling from? Uh... Currently in Wales, buddy. You're in Wales, Mark Drakeford. Never-ending lockdowns. How are things there? Well, I've only arrived today. I'm on holiday. Good man. Um, You're on holiday. Across the border, and uh, I'm, I'm in uh, sat next to Lake Bala, Bala Lake, which Lovely. is beautiful. You're in the valleys. Um, so, um, what did you want to talk about then, Mick? Just, just a few things, mate. I was there at the protest on Saturday. Great. Um, obviously, you've made your views clear on the protests. Now, um, now hang on. Get... What do you think my views are? Because I'm very supportive of the protests. I really am. I think it's a great them, thing. Yeah. That you support them, but you need to go further than that. And, I just wish people would. Yeah, because I think you're going to tell me, aren't you, that either three quarters of a million or a million people were there. I believe that. What an amazing thing that is. Now, can you imagine if a million people decided, well, we're going to take it a step further? That's that's my only thing about. Pro- but by God, I absolutely support them, and I I'm proud of people who go down uh, to London and say, listen, I'll go where I want, and I'll assemble if I want, and I'll say what I want. So no, don't. Uh, I don't want to be misunderstood there. I I am support. How was it on Saturday? It was brilliant. You know, you spend so much of your life surrounded by rules. Don't go in here. One person at a time in this room. Wear your mask. Don't go there. To actually be surrounded by so many people who are just acting normally and having a good time. Wow. You know, if you can get to them, just go there. If nothing else, it just gives you that bit of a boost Great. for your mental health if nothing else yeah um and it does spur you on uh you know to, to be around so many people like that i don't know how many people were there certainly more than the ten thousand that sky news are estimating anyway lawyers i mean how could you say that with a straight face it's about as good as their journalism <laughs> Oh, how could you say it with a straight face, Mick? How could you look down the camera and say, around 10,000 people? I mean, the helicopters and the drones, you could see people for miles. 
<laughs> tingles down the spine when you look both ways down the I think it's the mile. My London geography is rubbish, but I think it's the mile and you look both ways and it's just a sea of thousands of people. Great. And it and it's wonderful. And I got my uh I hate to piss on your chips, but I got a text message for my vaccine. Did you? I got a letter. I got a text. Good man. When did you get the text? This week? Uh, yesterday. Um, we're, we're of a similar age, you and I, so I got my text yesterday. Um, and I think this is something else that we can do, you know, is, is not just ignore these things. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to wait for them to call me and I'm going to talk to them Good man. about it, ask questions, because I'm hearing, you know, these these people that are providing these jabs you know they're healthcare professionals and they have a code of conduct to adhere to whether you're a nurse or a doctor you've got a either the nmc or the gmc code of conduct to adhere to and i'm hearing stories they are third-hand stories you know i'm going to wait to to see what my experience is that i think they're breaking their code of conduct in delivering these jabs why do you say that now? I know where you're going to go with this, but for our listeners who are wondering, why do you think they might be in breach of their own code of conduct? Well, I'm hearing that they're using very coercive language on the calls. Um, I was talking to my brother-in-law at the weekend who said a guy he knew, you know, when he declined the vaccine on the phone, the person on the other end of the phone was saying, well, you know, don't you want to protect other people? Yeah, you're not interested yeah. in protecting other people. It's coercive language. And these are, you know, we all know these are clinical trials. Absolutely. You shouldn't be doing that. And the code of conduct, certainly for nurses, is that you respect the rights of other people. It, it, things like that, you're breaking so many different various parts of the code. Anybody can check the code out online. NMC code, GMC code makes it very, very clear they shouldn't be doing that. You know, so I think you're. I, I think it does. People, when they get the calls, don't ignore the calls. Record the calls. If ask you can, questions. Yeah, yeah I think most. Um, we can do. Let let these people know that you know we're onto them, and and because I I I bet a lot of them don't even realise what they're doing. No, they don't. That's a very good point to make. Uh, many of them don't. It's they're they're button pushers. Uh, that's what it is, effectively. And they're they're given a, a script, aren't they, Mick? And they're told phone these people uh, all day long and deliver this script to them, and they do. Uh, but as you said, maybe if some of them were, were told uh, politely and firmly that they are maybe risking their own. Um, uh, I won't say livelihood, but if they're putting themselves at risk or putting themselves in the way of litigation, maybe by telling people, I mean, it, it, it contravenes accepted medical practice going back centuries. Anyway, we've never asked somebody to take a medical intervention on behalf of somebody else. It's ridiculous. Oh, it makes no sense at all. No. It makes no sense at all. If you've had your jab, you're, you're safe. I'm no risk mm. to you. I, I, I cannot get my head around it. Um, yeah, you're right. And and if, you know, if a million people, if there was a million people on the streets of London, that's a million people not taking the jab. Yeah. If all million do that when they get the call, things could change. If you do um, manage to record the call, share it with me. Uh, you're obviously intelligent and you're Absolutely. going to be polite, oh, so send it to I, me. I'm yeah. waiting for it. I've had, I've got a friend, she's, she's declining it and she's now had 10 missed calls. And I keep saying to her, you know, Take the call, record it. Yeah. Put them on. Put them under pressure. Ask them questions. I remember you when know, Ron. One of my questions. 
Sorry, Mick. I remember when Ron rang one of the phone-ins, um, two or three phone-ins ago. Ron has uh, just turned 80. And he said, he said they'd put him yeah. on a refuse list. <laughs> what the hell is that? We're going to put you on a refuse list, are you? Um, that's the sort of thing. That's the sort of coercive behaviour, isn't it? it? It's just horrible. It really is. Um, so, yes, uh, when I get the call, I'll uh, definitely forward it on to you. I'll, I'll put it in an uh, email or, or something like that. Just the other thing I wanted to mention as well, and then I'll let you crack on. Uh, there's always a lot of talk about when COVID was declassified as a high consequence infectious disease yeah um, and and we all know this you and i know this obviously a lot of people they don't realize it but do you know how that came about do you, are you aware of the the details of how that came about no other than it appeared on the website and like everybody else i saw it but how it happened no i couldn't tell you but you do I, I, well there was a, a freedom of information request done because um, I did a load of freedom of information requests last year to hospitals to show just how quiet they were compared with 2019, and they were. And I came across a freedom of information request to the, what are they called, the Advisory Committee of Dangerous Pathogens. And it was a, 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 a Zoom meeting on the 13th of March 2020, so 10 days before we went into lockdown and six days before it went on the website about high consequence infectious diseases. And they had an hour's meeting, 55 minutes of which was all to do with some rubbish about transporting uh, test swabs and things like that. In the last five minutes of this meeting, the Advisory Committee of Dangerous Pathogens uh, they said, we've had a letter from the Department of Health and Social Care asking whether COVID-19 should be declassified as a high consequence infectious disease. It was immediately unanimously voted, yes, it should be declassified. With absolutely no discussion whatsoever. And that was on the 13th of March. And one of the members of that committee was Neil Ferguson. Ferguson was on the committee, was he? Professor he was Lockdown. On the Professor Lockdown. The man who, at one time, many, many years ago, said that 10 million people could die from mad cow disease. That lunatic, and, yeah. And a high consequence, to, to be classified as a high consequence infectious disease, again, as you know, it's got to be a, it's got to have a high mortality rate. Yeah. And, it's even admitted their low mortality rate. He was on that committee. I couldn't believe it when I read it. Yeah. I didn't know that. This is good stuff. This is why I love the phone-ins. I get educated. That is fascinating. And of course, no UK broadcaster mentioned the declassification or the downgrading of COVID. It never got a mention, apart from the indie media. Yeah, I, yeah, I found that freedom of information request a few months ago and I was I was gobsmacked. I, yeah. I'll... Um, I'll, I'll forward it to you again on, on the email. Do, um, do, Mick, yeah. Yeah. And listen, before I move on to um, take my next call, have a lovely holiday in Wales. Uh, it looks like you've got the sun there. Thank God for that. Let's hope you will it's have. Very, it's very grey. Is it grey? It's, it's very, very bright. You've got lovely windows. I'll talk to you outside, but um, I'm freezing cold. Um, and I'm just about to go back on the lake paddleboarding, so um, I better get my wetsuit. Sounds brilliant, Tom. So, Thanks uh, for taking time out of your holiday to speak thank to me. Not at all, mate. Not at all, mate. Thanks so much. That was lovely for Mick. There, lovely to hear from Mick on holiday in Wales. And, and let me just, just let me just reiterate, right, about protests. I have expressed frustration about protests in the past because ultimately, I don't want to get into this again. 
what ultimately what do they change? That's the question you've got to ask. Now, I'm hugely supportive of them for the reasons given by Mick and other people, namely that you um, you go there, you meet people, you form groups and alliances and you can get things done. There's a great feeling um, from being there, surrounded by people who see things as you see them. That's all fantastic and that's why they're a great thing. But I've been frustrated for years and years and years and years that people go home they separate and they go back to their cities. Uh, and then what? That's the thing. Then what? Right, okay. Let's take another call. I'm going to give Jacob a ring before the end of this programme, by the way. Jacob sent me a message on the website today to say that he's been trying his damnedest for about six months to get on one of these phone-ins. He's never succeeded. To the point that his daughters take the mickey out of him because he can't get through. Right? So I got his mobile number. It's not the done thing. I got his mobile number and I'm going to give him uh, a bell is what I'm going to do. Um, right, somebody's been trying to get through and they've just got disconnected. Let's reconnect with them again and see who it is. Uh, it's Chat with Richie on Skype, all one word, Chat with Richie. And the phone number is 0161 So we're back to the Skype then. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? That's you. Hello. Gone. Gone and just gone. We'll hopefully get them back in a moment. Um, to the mobile phone then. Caller, welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? Hello? Hello, you're through. Who am I speaking to? It's Paul, Richie. How are you doing? I'm I, surprised I got through. I'm brilliant, Paul. Mate. I'm glad you got through. Where are you? I'm in Oxford. You're in Oxford, um, down south. I'm from London originally, but I'm in Oxford at the moment. Good and, man. Uh, yeah, how you doing? This I'm, is my first time ever on a radio show, by the way. Is it? Well, you sound yeah. very confident and, and uh, relaxed, Paul. You sound good, mate. So uh, thanks for making I, us I the first so one. I've so many times to get through to LBC last year to uh, talk to that. Uh, I know you call him a rat, uh, Richie O'Brien, but I could never get through. So O'Brien, anyway, yeah. You couldn't get through, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. How you doing? I'm really well, buddy, and I'm glad you got through to us, Paul. Uh, so, me too, uh, me too, me you, too. you know how it goes. So what would you like to say? Well, obviously COVID, because uh, what else is there to talk about, really? You know, yeah. um, I I read your article earlier about child abuse, you know, and um, on Twitter. And I've been saying this for months, you know, that, that masking children is uh, child abuse, you know. And I think people, uh, these politicians need to be called out. Have you got your own it, children, you know? Paul? I have. I've got two children. Uh, obviously, I'm concerned about what's going on there, uh, 11 and 14 now, you know? Yeah. Um, last year, I couldn't see him for four or five months because I fell out with my uh, father-in-law. He thought I was mad when I told him that uh, COVID isn't what it's supposed to be. And I normally stay with him when I uh, go to Wales, but I couldn't rent anywhere. So, so because uh, of the lockdowns, you know? But anyway, that, that's another story. But, um, Can't have been easy, oh, I, I understand that. Can't have yeah, been easy. I've said, I, I sent you an email the other week, Richie. You didn't get back, but that's okay. I understand. I'm sure you get millions of emails or maybe you saw it and and, and and didn't, you know, didn't think much of it. But I just feel that everyone's, I mean, you've been great and lots of other people have been great, but everyone's sort of doing their own thing and, and, and preaching to the already converted, you yeah, know? no doubt. Everyone's kind of disunited. And as you know, the uh, the state has got deep pockets and they're organised. Yeah. And I feel like, um, I don't know, I, I, I've been thinking what I can do. I mean, I've been to the protest, I've been twittering, I've been sending, sharing things, I've been trying to talk to people and, and wake them up, but I just feel like um, when I saw Keir Starmer 
get shamed publicly uh, the other week. Yeah, in the pub. I feel like we need to shame these politicians and media people publicly, you know, and um, not in an aggressive way, not violence, but I've been, since March last year, I've emailed my MP in London, Karen Buck, Labour MP. I mean, uh, dozens of times at the beginning, she refused to answer any of my questions, right? You never, got a, questions you, like you never got a single but, reply, Paul, no? Well, she did. She tried to fob me off a few times about conspiracy theories, anti-vax and all this, um, which I'm not, a, you know, I, 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 I'm, I, I don't think I'm a conspiracy theorist. You know, I just look at the facts. If, if you want to call me that, call me that. Yeah, but yeah. I've never been anti-vax either. But, you know, they're very slimy, these politicians, and they, they try and fob you off, you know? Yeah. But I wouldn't have it, and I kept asking her the questions, and um, she wouldn't answer because she couldn't answer. You know, one one of them, what, what was your last caller said about the uh, high... high uh, High consequence infectious disease, 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 the downgrading. Why why did the government lower it? And lots of other simple questions, perfectly normal questions, but she wouldn't answer one. I did get a bit, uh, in the end, a bit pissed off with her. And I sort of, not not abusive, but, you know, like the last few emails, I I call her, I still send them to her, you know, and stuff to share with her. I call her uh, for our buck now sometimes, you know. And she got one of her sidekicks the other week to email me back and said, if I don't stop emailing her, she's going to call the police on me and I said well call them let's all have a meeting together because I'm not, not worried you know I've done nothing wrong she threatened to get and, the police um, in so yeah she sort of got someone to threaten me with the police because I send emails every now and again asking her questions and sharing stuff you know copy yeah. and pasting stuff and putting an email um, embarrassing her a bit you know but I think they deserve it because it's her duty to speak to her constituents you know to answer that's what she's there for and she's blanked me, you know, and uh, I was very polite in the beginning last year. But, you know, obviously, I, I, you know, I, I've said to her, you're guilty of child abuse because you're condoning this. She voted for the last lockdown. She doesn't speak out about anything. She, um, you know, also the, these vaccinations, injecting children. I've got two kids. The last thing I want is my, my kids uh, injected with this stuff, whatever it is. Yeah. So um, anyway, so my point is, is that I feel like if everyone emailed their MPs with questions and if they didn't answer we should shame them publicly. I mean, go and get leaflets printed, put them in letterboxes where they live, on windscreens of cars. Let them know that people local know what's going on, you know, because you've got to make them feel uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I, think, I, just... I think if I can jump in there, Paul, I think if you if you printed a leaflet and you, and, and you printed an honest statement on it to the tune that, you know, you're being ignored by this woman, who should be looking into what's happening to children and should be doing this and should be doing that. And if you distributed that, I think that's fair enough. I I wouldn't argue with that, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, But these are very strange times. And, you know, innocuous things, you know, fairly, what I would say, a fair thing like that, or an ordinary thing like that, that can be interpreted now in certain ways by the police and by, you know, various other authorities. All I would say to anybody is to just box a bit clever with that. You know, that's yeah, all I, mean, I, would, I would say. Just say listen, I, I've yeah. asked her many questions over the past year. She's ref- refused to answer. If you know her personally, could you please ask her these uh, questions yeah. and put yeah. 10 questions on a leaflet? That's I fair think enough. they just need shaming, you know. I think they need shaming a, a, a local on their doorstep, you know. Yeah. Uh, you know I what really you said, do, Paul. You know uh, what you said. You know we've got Paul in Oxford on the line, by the way. What you said about preaching to the converted—it's a very difficult thing to do, or to even to, to even get over. It's a, it's a very—it's almost like an insurmountable obstacle when you present and produce journalism, radio, television, um, as, as I do. 
you you wonder what what else can you do apart from yeah. dissect yeah. the information being put out by the government and demonstrate that it's incorrect outside of that really there's not a lot that you can do i mean you mentioned preaching to the converted one of the things that really bugs me not bugs me because i understand it to a point up to a point is that in these times programs like this are seen as kind of a crutch by people who are awake to what's going on and are bewildered as to why everybody else is not awake to what's going on. So they come here at five o'clock because it's a nice place to hang out because we all know that things are screwed up. But that's, of course, not conducive to achieving anything and to moving things on. So I'm. these are things that vex me as much as they vex you. Can I ask you about the 11 and the 14-year-old? I don't want to ask you any personal questions. It's none of my business. But it sounds like you and the the children's mum went your separate ways. One of the children yeah. is 14, you said. So that's secondary school age, Paul. Is that child having to wear masks in the classroom? No, it's not mandatory. I've actually been on to the head of power. So a woman called Lynette Lovell last year, sending her stuff. Uh, of my opinion, and head teacher. when uh, when they went back to school a little while ago, I did say that if uh, he's forced to wear a, a, a mask, I'll be suing you for child abuse. Um, I've sent her stuff. She's never got back. Whether she looks at them, I don't know. But they're not so strict there. I mean, they, they live in a just outside a small uh, town, you know, in the middle of nowhere, really, in yeah. the valley. So um, it's a bit different there. But um, so no, it's not mandatory. As far as I know, I mean, I, I hope my kids are telling me the truth. I, I don't really get on with a mum. She's with a guy. He believes it. He's been. He's had his injection. I don't know what she thinks. You know, I can't really talk to her about stuff. She's never been that political. She sort of lives in a little bubble. Doesn't want to know. You know, some people are like that. Yeah. So it's a bit awkward. But uh, I mean, I think my kids believe me because you know the, the, they can see. Even they can see the absurdity of it all. You know, we went camping last year down in uh, Devon, and you're going in these places, and you you got a screen, you know, a plastic screen, six feet high, as if that's going to save your life. You Madness. know, from this, from this COVID or going in one door and going out another door. They can, they can see it's ridiculous at their age, you know? So, um, so yeah, that's that. I mean, get, just going back to the leaflets quickly, Richard, I thought if you could have one in the streets, you might wake up some other people in, in, in the streets at the same time. You know, people look yeah. at these questions and think, well, that doesn't quite add up. Why is, you, you know what I mean? It's like you could wake a few people up at the same time. Do you think, um, Paul, do you, do you think on that, as they announced today, the media announced today, that 25 million people now, nearly a third, uh, well, not quite a third, maybe a quarter or thereabouts um, of the population, maybe two-fifths maybe, have had both both vaccines, have had both doses. And uh, they've said that at least, I don't know, 50 million now have had one dose or whatever. Do you think that people might be primed now um, to wake up as they realise that despite the success of the vaccination programme, the government still doesn't want to reduce the restrictions, doesn't want to end the distancing and the mask wearing. Maybe a lot more people are bewildered about that and are maybe open now to hearing a different point of view, maybe more than they were last year. Because they might be saying to themselves now, you know, what's going on? Why are we not free? Why are we not able to do this or that? You know, maybe. Maybe slightly. I mean, I, I, I've, had, I've got a few friends who have had the um, the first jab, and I think they regret it. You know, I don't say too much. I don't want to, you know, frighten them. But uh, yeah. as you know, there's been a lot of deaths and a lot of people getting very seriously ill after taking it. Yeah. Um, but, um, I mean, I, I, I think it is a matter of time, Richie. You know, it's how many people wake up it, it, uh, until they get their systems in place. Yeah. I mean, if they get in 5G, digital money, and... Uh, 
vaccination passports, which we know is what they want, then we're cracked, aren't we? That's the end of it, you know? If they get their way. Before I I move on, Paul, thanks for calling in, by the way. I want to ask you this. Uh, This is not a cheeky or a loaded question. Um, You're a dad. You sound reasonable. You sound intelligent. Do you take care when you talk to the 14 and the 11 year old because you're not talking to your mate and you're not talking to me we're grown ups when you're explaining to them that things are not quite right uh, do you do you go about it in a certain way I'm asking that now for other parents who might have young children who might be looking for a bit of advice obviously I don't want to you know, go too much. You've got to pick your moments, Richie. You know, you can't just uh, bombard them with a load of heavy stuff all the time. Yeah. But when the moment's right and you're out and something, you know, we can have a laugh about it too. It's not all, all like that. But I've always felt with my kids that um, I try and be their friend, you know, and I, I, they, they do take on stuff. You know, they're interested in politics and, yeah. you know, architect, you know, you go in London, they know the difference between Georgian and Victorian architecture. I, I think kids, you know, you can't treat them all the time like a kid. They are open, yeah. especially at age, to so much stuff. So, you know, I sort of plant the seed, but I pick my moments and, you know, it's not all uh, doom and gloom. You can't, uh, you, you know what I mean? It's, um, but I, I think kids, you've got to treat them as adults as well, you know? And, um, and um, so, yeah, it's, you know, it's just, it's just an instinctive thing, isn't it? You, you do what you feel is right at the right moment. Brilliant. But you've got, I've got to say something to them, you know. Um, of course you do. And I'm sure they have questions. I'm, I'm sure it's not a case of you saying, hey, kids, you've got to sit down. I'm sure most of the time it's them asking you questions. Paul, I look for the email you sent, mate. I just want to say this to anybody yeah, listening. I mean, listen, I know you're busy. Don't worry about it. No, it's, it's not that I'm, I'm busy. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me say this. Let me say this. Let me say this. It's not that I'm busy. I don't want anybody to think that um, I am stuck up my own arse. It's not that I'm busy. I produce a radio show and present it by myself. It's a 16-hour-a-day job, and I write articles. Problem with the contact form on the website is, and, and I don't say this now to be big-headed, it gets thousands of emails, not hundreds, thousands coming in, and you can't even begin to start going through them. You can't. There's no time for it. So, so to anybody who never got a response from me, don't think that I dismissed no, them. Okay. Your I don't email, think that. You know? I understand. But I, I just, I've been thinking, what, what can I do a bit more? You know, I've been doing my, my bit, but I feel like I need to do a bit more. And I've been sort of, after seeing Keir Starmer the other day, you, you know, yeah. in public, someone actually confronting him. You got a boost. You got a boost out of that. You got a boost out of that. By the sounds of it. Well, do me a favour. Yeah. Stay in touch with us. Social media, the best way during the program. And if you do print up leaflets, um, screen grab them oh. and 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 pop them on social media and let us know, Paul, how you get on. Okay. And All good right. luck to you and to your son, uh, to, to your children. And uh, and, Thanks, and to your ex-wife and her partner. Ultimately, we're all in it together. Uh, and I know you yep. know that too. Thanks, Paul. Lovely to meet you today. That was Paul in Oxford. Now, I am going to give Jacob a ring in a few minutes. But I saw something there now. I can't let this go. An old friend of this programme's. An old friend of this programme is a, is, a, is a young woman. She's not um, a young woman anymore. She's an adult. Um, first met her back in 2015. She lives not far outside of Delhi. And um, we spoke about five, six years ago, one, one evening when, when the programme was going out a bit later. Uh, a great lady. Her name is Himanshi Munjal. She's an Indian woman. And her phone call couldn't be any more timely. Himanshi... How are you? Welcome back to the program. Hi, Richie. Thank you. How are you? I'm great. And thank God I you phoned my in. My audio is clear. Your audio is clear. You sound fantastic. It is incredibly timely 
that you're getting in touch with me because today, yesterday, the day before, Imanchi, we're being told on Sky News and on the BBC that people are dropping dead in the streets of of the capital, of New Delhi, with coronavirus, that oxygen is running out, that it is a disaster zone there. So you phoning me today is an absolute blessing. Tell us what you think is really going on in your country. Okay, so right off the bat, I would like to say that everything that is being projected by the media is obviously false. It's false. And I, uh, and I also uh, saw the video that you shared on your Twitter uh, by some lady who was saying uh, that how the things that are being projected by India about the COVID narrative are basically false and how people living on the streets, uh, they are safe and are not dying due to anything like COVID. And I, I didn't see the entire video, but I saw half of it. And uh, I think, uh, and I'm sorry, I agree that the entire um, COVID narrative that is being played, especially in India, and uh, I also saw on the news that uh, UK government also has been providing ventilators and oxygen supplies here. Yeah. So I, uh, I do not, I, uh, I have been hearing from my friends that um, there are people in their family who are facing uh, uh, oxygen uh, problems and lack of uh, breaths. I don't know why that is happening. And there, there has been some um, problems that have been occurring. In, uh, that, that is happening, I think, because of 5G. And it might occur due to other diseases as well, due right. to lack of uh, exercises. Uh, now, the people who used to go to gyms, uh, now the gyms have been closed and the entire um, exercise routine of people that has been disturbed, that has gotten disturbed. And uh, obviously, if you take away the element of exercise from anyone's life, then it can lead to uh, severe diseases, which can have symptoms that are of COVID. Okay, and now so let me jump in. Let me jump in. I, I hear you. Okay, so the lockdown then prevented people from going to the gym. It kept people indoors. That's not healthy. And maybe people have become ill that way. But just um, not to argue with you, but just to just to say again that if you're in the UK today and you switch on the television, they are telling us, and they are showing us now, you've got um, journalists in hospitals in New Delhi, and they're wearing the hazmat suits, and the journalists are telling us that people are dying. They are saying that some families are even taking their dead relatives on rickshaws, on bikes, uh, to the hospitals or to the to the morgues. And you're saying, in your opinion, that this is grossly exaggerated. Uh, right, Richie. So the thing is, honestly, um, personally speaking, I haven't seen anyone in my family or in my friends getting harmed due to COVID right. or the virus. Uh, not a single person in my contact has died or has got uh, has developed any severe symptoms that we can think is is vulnerable of dying. And so I don't think that uh, the uh, image that has been that is being projected by the media is true. It's true. And now people are really worried due to the second wave that the media has created or the hospitals uh, that have created. So obviously 
people like you and me, Dipanshu as well, we have been researching on this for years. For years, yeah. And it's getting hard for us to explain to people the entire larger picture that is going on. The bigger the picture now. The, the bigger picture. Yeah. Just to, just to stay with India for a moment. I, you know what the BBC is saying. What is the Indian national media saying about the crisis? Is it is it saying that things are very bad, or is it uh, p- presenting a more accurate picture? No, they are projecting the same negative the picture same. only. So, right. so if you see the Indian news channels, if they did the same narrative as the uh, the COVID deaths, the rising number of cases and uh, the lack of ventilators and oxygen supplies available in hospitals and everything else as well. Also, all the um, agenda or, uh, to uh, to fulfill the uh, agenda 21, 2030 agenda that has been building up in the media as well. So, but as I told you, I haven't seen anyone in my family. My grandma, she is above 70 and she is perfectly fine. Yeah. So everything in my family and people who know about this narrative, they are so they, they, they say that conspiracy theorists are doing fine nowadays. But those people who are not conspiracy theorists, they, they only those people are dying or getting <laughs> right. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Um, how people are still not able to see the picture that is unfolding that is in front of our eyes. This so, is a very good point now. You're making yeah, a so, good point. So, so if you're 90, in... Orwell's 1984 is playing right in front of our eyes. And 84. people are still not able to... And um, uh, the Panchu's office people, they have also asked their employees to get vaccinated. Hang on and now, hang after, on. Let's, let's, let's yeah. do, because some of our listeners won't know. Um, Himanshi has a brother called Dipanchu yeah. and um, so he, he works in uh, the city and he, he works in an office and you just said that his company is asking the employees to get vaccinated Yeah, so his employees have been asked to get vaccinated and my brother he's so reluctant to get vaccinated he of will not get his job and he he even told me today, we were having a conversation today, and he told me that even if a, um, it comes to... We've just lost Himanshi momentarily now. She's telling us that her brother, Dipanchu, has been asked to have a vaccine. And I think she was about uh, to tell us that he would refuse to have Hello. one. Hello. Ah, we lost you momentarily. Uh, I think, I no, no, we, we got most of that. My I think wifi, My Wi-Fi got disconnected. Don't worry, the, you're, you're back. So, so just, for, just for the sake of time now, because I, I've, I've got so many calls coming in. Dipanchu, first of all, he introduced you to the books of David Icke and other yeah. researchers. Uh, he's a great guy. I remember speaking to him a few years ago. So his company says you've got to get vaccinated. And I think yeah, you, and you were just about to tell me... me that no. Even if it's made compulsory, he will leave his he job leave because job. he will not get vaccinated. And is he worried? And um, is he worried that it will be compulsory? Does he think they'll yeah, try to make it yeah, compulsory? Because, because officially in the emails it will be written that you have to get vaccinated, and I'm worried about my studies as well. Because yeah, studying, what yeah. happens if the university I'm studying in makes the job compulsory too? Has there and been any have, talk about it, Himanshi? Has the university spoken about it? Not yet, not yet, but uh, currently, and from May 1st, 
uh, in India, the protocol has been made that people above the age of 18, they are required to get registered on the vaccine portals and get themselves vaccinated. So I'm not registering and uh, my parents have also not been vaccinated, neither my uh, grandparents. That's great. So, yeah. So I don't know what will happen. And Imagine which, have... um, which, which vaccine is in circulation in India? Is it the AstraZeneca one or is it something uh, else? Uh, uh, Pfizer, is it? As, as far as I know, I think uh, I'm not sure about the names, but two, uh, they are projecting that they have been made in India. And one is from, I think, the the company which is uh, the, the vaccine which is directly funded by Gates. I'm right. not sure about the name, but uh, uh, nonetheless, lots of vaccine injuries have been reported by people, which are not being uh, shown by the mainstream media. Now, how do you know so, this now? Before I move on, and thanks for calling in today, how do you know about vaccine injuries in India? Is there some sort of reporting uh, yeah. scheme for people? Yeah, so three people in my da- dad's office, they have died after taking the job. Hang on a second. And three people in your father's yes, office have passed away. Yes. And two, two uh, in my brother's office. No way. That is true. And also, I am following some alternative media pages on Facebook and they show the reality of COVID that is happening behind the scenes. Doctors are literally killing patients and selling their organs in the name of COVID. And the uh, families of the victims, they are not getting the bodies. And they do not know what is happening with the bodies or uh, some or uh, their organs. They are being uh, sold for money by the doctors. You, you, you are alleging that there is, th- that trafficking in organs is yes. going on. Now, yes. I know you and I like you, um, but I'm going to say that sounds like very anecdotal. Is there any hard evidence to prove that? Uh, I have seen videos, Richie, on Facebook uh, and people are crying about their family members and they're not even uh, being uh, told what is happening with the patient's bodies and doctors themselves are refusing to cooperate with the patients and have seen in many videos I've, I've been as you know I've been researching on this narrative yeah, ever since it yeah. began and has and, India can I ask you has India in the past before coronavirus has it had a problem with organ trafficking has that been an issue in India uh, not that I know of no, no Richie I, uh, I'm not very sure about this, but uh, th- this uh, the entire narrative of uh, organ. Uh, you you think somebody might have seen an opportunity in coronavirus to harvest and then traffic organs? Um, I'm still on with Samantha, but she's dropped out again. The Wi-Fi there. Are you back or are you gone? I'm going to move on anyway. Yeah, she's gone. So the videos I saw on Facebook. Uh, I saw uh, approximately, uh, I think my Wi-Fi got disconnected for it, a while. It again. did. Can you do me a favor? Because I've got to move on now. First of all, it's very important that you came on and gave us a different perspective 
on on the claims that India is being overrun by coronavirus. That was very good. I'm very interested in the organ trafficking thing. Can you do me a favour? Can you send me through Skype? Send me some links so that I can look into it myself because I will cover this if I can sure, get people to talk I'll, about I'll it. Send, because I follow some of the pages on Facebook that uh, show what is happening inside the hospitals and how patients are being treated by the hospitals. I yeah. can share some links with you and you can retweet, uh, you can tweet them yeah. and post them on your social media account. So Brilliant. That can just, before, be- just before I move on, Imanchi, my friend Spiro asks me to ask you a good question. What What's the general feeling about Bill Gates amongst your your peer group, amongst your friends and, and neighbours, or even Indian people? What do they know about Gates? Do they um, have any feelings or opinions about him? Uh, see... Uh, they agree that, of course, they uh, do not consider him as someone who is trying to take people's life. Right. And I've shown them ample uh, amount of evidence about this entire vaccine. They see, him, they see him as a savior, do they? Yeah, because, again, the larger perspective of mainstream science comes in. And they are not uh, willing to accept that science and doctors, they can be corrupt and I I have talked about this um, very very in detail with them but still they are um, skeptical about the fact that how can a handful number of people challenge the entire mainstream narrative that is being projected by WHO. uh, You're coming up against the same problem that every one of us listening to this program tonight is coming up against. It is getting so hard for me to explain yeah. to people about this narrative and then uh, the fear I hope I'm not taking much time Just I'll just take 30 seconds more if that's fine and the entire uh, second wave uh, corona narrative that has been shown by the media and the doctors they are not willing to accept that something is going on behind the scenes yeah. of all this. They won't and because again, for the same reasons we've been discussing all right, night and all and week. To, uh, I also follow Spiro so uh, and I have seen his interviews, his interview with Andrew Kaufman was yeah. very good. I recommend it to my friends also. Spiro's course on YouTube. I tell you what, I'm going to move on. Do me, do me yeah, a favour. Send me the information. Uh, yeah, give sure. the Panchu our very best. I'm glad that your parents and grandparents are not going to have the vaccine because I don't believe they need it. But that's just my opinion. Lovely for you to come back on today and give us a different perspective on the claims being made by the BBC and Sky about India. Stay in touch and I know we'll speak again, Himanshi. And thanks for yes, doing that today. Thank you. Not at all. A lovely, lovely lady. Um, was very young when she first spoke to us. She was only a teenager and uh, is now, uh, Himanshi, uh, going to um, university and studying and doing very well, all things considered. I'm going to try Jacob. I know there are a lot of calls coming in now. Um, Jacob um, dropped us a, a message underneath the, the, the article on richieallen.co.uk today. He's uh, been trying to get through to this programme, apparently, uh, for about six months, much to the amusement of his family. Let's welcome him. Jacob, how are you? Uh, very well, Richie. How are you doing? I'm great. Thank God that worked. And uh, just for a moment there, mine's all over the place. Uh, not that I nearly forgot, but I was going to take another call and I said, no, I've got to get Jacob on. Glad we finally connected. Where are you, by the way? I'm in uh, London. Oh, you're in London. So you're in the capital. Uh, thanks. I am indeed. Glad you finally got through. What would you like to say? Uh, 
Yeah, I, I was going to attend the, the event on Saturday, but I completely forgot about it. Oh, so I was really busy. I um, just want to talk a little bit about um, some of these things I've done in the past, Richard. I worked for, for an organisation, and my boss used to send me to these different meetings, and typical thing was a uh, African financial uh, event at the Guildhall, and where else would we go to? I used to go to the Chamber of Commerce, Arab Chamber of Commerce as well, for some meetings. And I met Nadim Zahawi there one time. Right, the, the current vaccine so, minister. Yeah, the current vaccine minister. I'm not sure what it was. This was about 2009. So, um, so there was, an, there was a, a lady who was an ambassador for the Ugandan embassy. So she came from a workplace one day and I said, come and meet her. So me and my friend went there. So we had a general chit-chat and she said to us, come to the embassy and visit us and pay a visit. So we went there, me and my friend. And we were just general chit-chat. And she showed me the document this, uh, from uh, an organization called the CPTM, which is uh, Commonwealth Partners Technology Management that deals with all the Commonwealth countries. <laughs> and um, so we got, she said, when it comes to one of these meetings, it was only bottom of the embassy in a room. And the, the lady in charge of it, which I didn't know at the time, she's a member of the Club of Rome. Now, you found this out later on, did you, that she was a member of the Club of Rome? Found out later on. So I attended a couple of meetings, and the the ambassador said, why didn't you come to Uganda? So they have these meetings, which is every four years in the Commonwealth country. So I went to Uganda, I was there for the weekend, and they had a meeting over three days, and there was 800 people there, heads of state, presidents, prime ministers, uh, government ministers, heads of businesses, and the whole thing was to me was complete waffle. It was just for waffle, waffle. But at the end of this, it just came back to the same thing. Zero growth, zero growth, zero growth. What does that mean now, Jacob? Zero growth. What does that mean? Well, my, I think some people might think that zero growth in, in carbon emission. But I came to the conclusion, look at the Club of Rome and the videos they make and the books they've written, the zero growth gets, gets back to zero growth in the population, the stabilisation of the population. Yeah. So total zero yeah. growth, so zero growth in carbon, but also zero growth in the economy. Zero growth in the economy, I think yeah. zero growth in the population as well. That sounded like a bit of a Bilderberg meeting in Uganda that weekend with all of these business people and, and politicians there. Yeah, uh, yeah. before years they have, a, they have the conference, um, smart, smart Partnership it's called. And they have, a, in the Smart Partnership, they have a logo, and this logo, it actually looks like the corona. You know the corona? The right. round coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. It looks exactly like that. And then they were passing this around to the... She was holding it, the doctor. I don't really want to say her name. No, and no, other don't, heads don't. Of states were holding it. Because it was in Uganda, uh, President Museveni was uh, one of the chair people as well. This is in 2009 now? 2000, total 2009, yeah. Around about that time, they were pushing uh, swine flu pretty hard, Jacob, weren't they, at that time? Uh, that was the year that swine flu, 2009-2010, interestingly enough. And they were talking about getting zero growth, a zero carbon approach. And, uh, and well, ultimately... No, they, did, they didn't mention carbon. They were just, they were just complete, it was just complete waffle. I actually thought that this was about helping the Commonwealth countries, like African countries and other Commonwealth countries. I thought it was helping them out of poverty yeah. to make their lives better. But then it all comes around to sustainable development. But at the time, I wasn't. At the time, I didn't understand what they meant by zero growth. That was yeah. at the end of everything. 
the whole day the different speakers and the main speaker and she, they just kept talking about it all came back to zero growth zero growth zero growth and remind us again how you ended up there your own job at the time uh, I was working for an organisation which was an education like a private university but they had other they had other projects going on as well so uh, there was an ambassador from the from Uganda House from the Uganda Embassy she came to my place to do some business with my boss and he invited me to meet her me and my friend she invited us to come to the embassy, just have a look around. So we got there, and she showed us documentation about this organization, CPTM, Smart Partnership. And she said to us, why don't you attend this, attend this meeting? Why don't you come to one of the meetings? We went there to a couple of them in the embassy. And then my boss decided to send me to Uganda because he was hoping that I would um, get some context there that would help his business out. Right, yeah, but yeah. In reality, in reality, they don't work like that. They're kind of like a chat in the house. Right, so sustainable well, development know, then, what sustainable development means for a community, ultimately, or for a country, whether it's an African country or a country in Europe, it means basically the, the, the de-industrialisation of that country. That's what it means, doesn't that's, it? That's, yeah, that's what it means, yeah. In a nutshell. And, and but at the time... Sorry, go ahead, Jacob. Yeah, sorry, Rich, carry on. No, no, yeah, you go ahead. At the, time, at, at the time, I didn't really understand any of this because I just thought it was complete waffle to me. Yeah. I was happy to be in Uganda having a free holiday, really, more or less. A weekend away in Uganda, why not? Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. Yeah, these are these are things, when I started in radio, and particularly then when I moved into current affairs radio, I would hear people come on programmes talking about sustainable development. These lovely, lovely benign-sounding words and these plans and these partnerships, countries in partnerships with certain corporations. And it all sounded lovely, you know, because these words are meant to sound nice and lovely and benign. And it was years and years and years before I understood what was actually going on, that they meant deindustrialization. They meant plunging people, millions and millions of people into unemployment and basically hoovering up all the assets on, on the planet. You know, a tiny group of people of financial elites taking pretty much everything on planet Earth. Um, uh, it took me a long time to come to terms with that. But that's where we are now. And can I ask you, Jacob, do you think then in the last 12 months or so, since this scandemic, we'll call it, do you see elements of what you saw back in 2009? Do you see that now, that this is all part of it? Well, yeah, yeah, now I do as well. And when it, when it wasn't, it wasn't, I didn't even, it wasn't after, until after the meeting in Uganda and down the line yeah. um, that, uh, that I realised that, that, that the lady, she was a member of the Club of Rome. So you're looking to the Club of Rome are globalist agenda, isn't it, really? Which is a roundtable group, and, Rockefeller Foundation yeah. group, yeah. Which it is, yeah. Which is, you know, on board with the the uh, United Nations and the WEF and what's the other one? Um, World Economic Forum and that kind of thing, and Davos and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. The the, uh, the Council on Foreign Relations, of course. Yeah, uh, they're all in bed with each other, really. That's right. All working to the same goal. Yeah, depopulation, mm. deindustrialization. Uh, technocratic so, society. Uh, what do we say? Yeah. Uh, transhumanism. I mean, even when I was. Um, uh, living with uh, David Icke, I would we would speak about transhumanism, and I would listen respectfully because the man had done a lot of research, and because he's very articulate and very intelligent. But even then, I couldn't quite get my head around that. You know, back in twenty thirteen, I was like, I'm not sure about that, but now I see it clearly now, where they want to take yeah. this. It's yeah. astonishing, and you've got children because you told me you have. How? I don't have, and I'm, I'm guessing that people who do have children, it must be more difficult for them, wondering what, what it will be like for them in a few years' time. 
Well, to be honest with you, I don't, I don't, I don't really think that uh, kids kind of think that way. It's, you know, my my eldest daughter is just about to uh, looking for she's looking for options for dating sex forms, and my eldest one is just about to start secondary school. Right. So I don't, I don't they don't, I don't, really, I don't know really what they, they, I don't think they really actually think about this. They just think that the future is going to carry on as normal. But I know completely different because there's no doubt we'll be in lockdown in a few months' time. Now, Paul, Paul was on, you think we'll be back in lockdown. Paul, Paul was on with us a, a couple of calls ago. He's got a 14 and an 11-year-old, not too dissimilar to you. And he's got to broach the subject with them and they ask him questions. What about you and yours? Is it, do, 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 do you discuss it ever, Jacob? Yeah, I do discuss that. Some of my other stuff links for it to look at as well when I talk to them. That's it. You know, well, Richard, my, my missus is actually, uh, she's actually a, a head teacher in a primary school as well. So, but there's no, there's no mass policy in the school. They don't have it. Primary school. Your 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 wife's yeah. a head teacher, and how does she feel about what's unfolding? Does she is her worldview similar to yours, or is it different? Well, to be honest with you, she she knows she knows the she knows the whole thing of it. This is a complete scam, demic, and. You know what? There's, you know about people uh, dying in pandemic, and if there was loads, if there was if there was a pandemic, there'd be dead people, bodies lying in the streets. Bring out your and dead. Bring out your dead. Of, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's no there's no there's no mask policy in the school. We don't allow children to wear masks in the school. Great. My wife thinks my wife thinks it's a child abuse for a parent to be forcing a child to be wearing a mask. It sounds like the children at her school are lucky to have her as a head teacher, Jacob. Yeah, but sometimes the parents are bring their kids to school with a mask on. What can you do? All you can do is roll your eyes and bite your tongue, mate. That's that's all you can do, yeah. really. Yeah. Uh, Jacob, I'm going to move on. I'm so glad that you got on, mate. Seen as you tried before, and uh, uh, great call, yeah. great comments. I really appreciate you getting in touch, and uh, and thanks for coming on. No problem. Sorry, but I sound a bit rushed. I've, I've just come out for my night, so I was a bit as- asthmatic, so my breathing was a bit. Um, you sound great, difficult. buddy. Yeah, yeah, nice very to interesting. Speak to you, Rich, anyway. Not at all. Thank you. Nice to speak to you, Jacob. There. What an interesting time back in Uganda back in 2009, eh? Uh, right. We're going to take more calls. Uh, I think we might be off to Spain now. I'm not sure. We might be off to Spain. The time is 17 and a half minutes to seven o'clock. It's the Richie Allen Show live in Salford. And uh, yes, I'm off to Spain, I think. Am I off to Spain? Good evening, caller. Hello, I'm Christopher. Chris- Christopher, you said? Yeah, Christopher. Uh, from Dublin. Cr- Christopher from Dublin, but I think you're calling me from España, is that right? Yeah, yeah, I live in Madrid for oh, 20 years. You live in Madrid. Christopher, lovely to meet you. Thanks for phoning in. Yeah, I've just been listening to you for the last couple of years or so. I think it's the best thing on the radio, to be honest. Oh, you're very kind. Thanks for saying that. Uh, uh, anyway, go I, ahead. I just make observations, you know. I live in Madrid. And I just make observations. And I can't back up anything I say, but I just make observations. So I'd just like to tell you a couple of them. Absolutely. Okay. Uh, first of all, I was working as a cleaner in the first uh, lockdown in Madrid. Hello? Well, I'm listening. I'm, I'm, you've got me. So you're working as a cleaner. Yeah. Where, where exactly, Christopher? Yeah, in a, in the centre of Madrid. And we, we were told to clean more than ever, you know? Right. And I get in my car and I go to work and it takes me seven minutes. When it used to take, you know, half an hour, 45 minutes on a Friday, take you an hour. And all the time you hear ambulances bounding off all the time, you know? And I said, why do these, why are they 
blowing their sirens all the time. You, could, you can get across Madrid in no time at all. It seemed to be all the time ambulances wailing, telling you. And ambulances then became a, a thing like the only thing the only thing that it means when you hear an ambulance wailing is COVID. It doesn't mean a heart attack, doesn't mean anything else. Right. It just means I live beside the train tracks in Mira Dutchin. When the bombs went off that morning, from eight o'clock until eleven at night, that you hear ambulances because at eleven at night they find a finger and then they'd send an ambulance. Right. Because that might need be able to put back on like so they'd actually send an ambulance to go and collect it. So from 8 o'clock until 11 o'clock at night, ambulances all the time. And people were very upset. People were frightened. People were... Um, Agitated. Overcome. Yeah. yeah. So then they told ambulances to go silent. For three days, you couldn't hear an ambulance. But with COVID, they couldn't get enough ambulance noises going on all over the place. You know? That's very interesting. A few a few years ago, when I lived in London, I noticed in North London that at any given moment of the day, there was a car going by the apartment, Christopher, uh, with an ambulance. Sorry, with a siren screaming. It could be a police car, it could be an ambulance. And we're sitting there one afternoon, myself, my better half, and the aforementioned uh, David Icke. And I, I'm not prone now to having eureka moments. I don't have any because I'm not the brightest spark in the box. But I suggested to my missus and to my pal, I said, yeah. I said, there isn't a lot of crime around here. And I'm pretty sure we're not getting a lot of accidents. I wonder if somebody telling ambulance drivers and police car drivers to turn the sirens on periodically just to keep us all in a state of agitation. And I'm sure it is. Ike looked, sure it is. Ike looked at me and he went, you know, you might be onto something there. And I said, I think I am. I wonder about that. And you were saying yeah. that they didn't need to have sirens on because there, were, there, there weren't many cars on the road. Everything is in lockdown. No, the and these guys lockdown, were screaming around. You wow. could cross Madrid in 11 minutes. Wow. No, no traffic whatsoever. Okay, another observation. There was no flight flying. There was no planes flying. And we're told all the time that they, uh, it's too late Climate change has happened. Yeah. It's too late. We've gone over the tipping point. But just after two weeks, the clouds were real fluffy like before. Do you know there's a cloud appreciation places on uh, Facebook and on the internet? People who love the forms that clouds make. I'm quite into meteorology myself. Yeah. But anyway, uh, it seems like just after two weeks, the climate is brilliant. And what? But there's a funny thing what's happening in Madrid. They're putting all these lead lights around the place. Red lights. And the lights used to be really high up, you know, like in Dublin, you know, in Ireland. Yeah. The lights really high up. But now they're lower down and they're lead lights. And I've noticed uh, trees that are less than a metre and a half from the base of the lead light, light, especially the ones that don't have fusers on them. So the light comes out directly. Oh, this is great, and he's just dropped out. Anomalies. Oh, you're there. Thanks, Christopher. You just dropped Fine. out for a second. No, you dropped for a second. I thought you were gone. I'm glad you're not gone. You were telling me about these lights and these trees, and then you just dropped out for a second. Sorry, carry on. This is very good. Well, on the tree, on the street where I work, in the centre of Madrid, they've installed in the last year or so lead lights. 
And five of the trees have been cut down because they just died. You know? They died because and of the presence I, of the lights. I don't know. Maybe, but I'm thinking they did, you see. But uh, other trees have anomalies. For example, a branch that shoots out and then has parallel branches growing straight up. All in a row, like a harp. You know, like a musical harp. Weird things. And then bald patches. All on the side where the lead lighting is. Lead lighting. Has side, that lighting, sorry Christopher, has that lighting got anything to do with the installation of 5G in Madrid? That's what I was always wondering. I'm wondering if 5G has been hidden in light. I don't know. I've, like I said, I only make observations. Yeah. But I have a friend who works in the uh, in Madrid kind of uh, looking at which trees we need to put down or what ones are growing too close to the, the paper stand or whatever. And I asked her, like, what's this happening? And they have, she had an answer for everything, but nothing that made any, any sense. They never do no. make any sense. Can I ask you this question before? Because I've got I've got to get one call in before I before I pack it up tonight. But I want to ask you this. Oh, um, I need to tell you something, but please let me very quickly tell you. Go on, go ahead. Okay, I have two uh, bagabundos, you know, tinkers that live in the street near my house. Right. That I observe all the time, and another one who was very famous in this area where I work. His name is Baltasar. He's been here for 25 years, 30 years on the same street. So everybody knows him. And this guy, right, has had four times in less than a year, he's had double pneumonia, but he can't kill him. Everyone thought, oh, he's going to be the first one to die with, with, with the COVID. But no, then I realized, like, what is it? What is it they have? They don't wear masks. They don't wash their hands. They're never putting gel on or anything. They're not doing any of that stuff. People can't just leave them alone because they look dirty. They don't, they're afraid to approach them or... They, they've got alcohol problems or whatever, yeah. it's hard to talk to them and everything. So, but I've noticed these tinkers, um, they uh, never die. They get ill, but they recover. I remember one of them coughing, but a kind of a sticky cough. But they never, and so what is it that they have? A robust immune it? system, maybe. Avert- no, I don't know. But I think it's just they're breathing fresh air. Yeah. It's I'm getting, I'm getting sunlight. Not wearing a mask. And, Everyone wears a mask. And getting sunlight, vitamin D, getting vitamin D and getting sunlight uh, and a robust immune system. Christopher, I'm going to move on. Yeah, thanks thanks so much for calling. I, I really enjoyed speaking with you. Christopher in Madrid there. I've got one more call to take. And uh, and then I, I think I know who this is. It, it might be Kelly, uh, who's uh, who I've known for some years on social media, but never spoken to her, uh, who's in London. Kelly, I think it's you, is it? Yes, it is, yeah. How are you doing, Kelly? Uh, it's nice I'm to put a voice to uh, to the name. I, I've known you through social media for some years. Welcome. I'm, I'm glad that I got you on. We've got about seven or eight minutes to go. I know you've got something very interesting to say because I was reading you on Twitter today. Go ahead. Yeah, so um, I, I haven't really thought about how I'm going to put this. My, my friend texted me and said, get on the Richie Allen show. I introduced you to her and she loves you. So uh, say hi to Philippa. How you doing, Philippa? Nice to meet you. <laughs> Thanks, okay, Kelly. So um, basically, what, but yeah, what it is, is um, I, I do care work and I work with old people. And, um, oh, gosh, um, they've, they've all had all their jabs now. And I noticed that I was feeling under the weather, sort of being around them. And um, 
And also, I don't really know how to put this, but like I started having quite severe problems with my menstrual cycle. And um, I am 44 and I, I started to think I was pre premenstrual, even though, you know, I, even though my mother didn't go through that until she was in her 50s. And um, so anyway, and then I can't remember, but I heard something women having this problem so um I emailed loads of friends and lots of friends have had this problem uh and even my cousin who's 29 um and who's been around her granny who's vaccinated she's had this problem so we've all had the, the same problem um the, the past like few months and after they had their second jab I started getting really bad headaches and a sore throat so I text my friend Philippa and said I've you know I wonder if um you know they're shedding anything because I, I'm not feeling great and then um we spoke and she had exactly the same thing and I don't get headaches and sore throats so and you put this just, out it's just a bit weird yeah, you, what's interesting about this is you put this out on social media and as far as I understand, you had a fairly hefty response from people, uh, from, 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 from girls, from women who came back to say that they'd, um, they'd been concerned about that as well or that they'd experienced something similar. Yeah, um, so basically after my cousin, who's only 29, had this problem, she shouldn't be having that sort of problem at her age. So um, I went on to Bitchu and I was trying to find some reports. On. I found um, a lady called Laura Lynn Tyler Thompson and she's done a whole show about it. And it's not, it's thousands of women. Um, and then Reuters put out an article saying it's a conspiracy. There's there's no connection between periods and um, vaccine shedding. And then um, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny and a few other doctors of a brainstorm interview about it. And they they don't know what it could be. But what I was um, thinking is it could it could either be. Um, some type of shedding or it or possibly could it be 5g because this this is real you know this this is happening to people who i know it's so. it's it's it, it certainly bears investigating kelly just sum yeah. that up just sum that up again before i butcher i don't want to butcher it because i butcher things like this so um summing it up it's it's pr pr yeah. menstrual so problems that are unusual and the women reporting these unusual menstrual problems are in contact with or are around people who have had the vaccines and they're wondering, is there yes. a connection? Yeah. Yeah. Or, I mean, or it could be um, 5G. You never know. Um, I just, one thing I find really strange is we've had a whole year of them um, telling us that we'll granny if if we don't keep socially distanced yeah. and then um last time they let us out of um lockdown um they they were uh publishing photos of people at the beach and saying oh they're all close together and um when they were miles apart because i was at one of those beaches and um people were 
far apart um but this time it's almost like it's quite laid back so i kind of thought they're not um it's almost like they want us mixing together because they haven't mentioned anything about people not adhering to social distancing rules and all that well there has been a bit Sorry. of it, just to be the devil's advocate there, there has been yeah. a bit of criticism about because um, when they opened beer gardens two weeks back mm. uh, there was quite especially in the first couple of days there were some fairly critical articles in the press about the fact that you know people were not sitting apart at the beer gardens and confining themselves to their own groups so there was a bit now but no you, you know I think you've got a point they didn't go to town on it but there was a little bit of criticism yeah. but yes you're right I mean they're looking ahead now we're, we're, we're approaching May a few days time we'll mm. be into May and as of yet, there isn't um, any great warnings about, you know, that we need to isolate, sorry, distance ourselves in the summer. So that, that there might be something in that. I'm very inst- interested in this, in this menstrual issue because I did see your tweet. I've been looking, trying to find out as much as I can about it as well. You're right to say that a lot of women have expressed um, interest in this in terms of saying that they think that they might have been affected by it. Uh, as for 5G, I yeah, don't know. I mean, I mean, I can't, I'm not in a, the, I'm not in a position to not work, but um, I've, I've, um, I'm, I've, I'm taking time out until I, I get to the bottom of this yeah. because I, you know, I, I've turned, it, the rules have really turned now and I've, I've got really paranoid. <laughs> You know, it's it's ridiculous. I know, but I I I just don't want to be around people if they're shedding. The, the, somebody is going to say to me now after the show, they're going to say, right, Richie, there are two different types of vaccines. The mm. the AstraZeneca vaccine is uh, it's an adenovirus vaccine, isn't it? It's the supposedly it's the traditional vaccine. Supposedly, the other ones are the mRNA vaccines, Moderna and Pfizer. Those mm. are the experimental gene therapy drugs. Whereas the adenovirus vaccine, adenovirus or adenovirus, that's one that traditionally that type of vaccine we have been told over the years that people can shed when they've had that, that they can do, and that might account for why sometimes people get the flu vaccine and they become ill with the flu. And often people around them become ill because that's an attenuated um, uh, virus. That's a virus that can spark into life again. It's supposed to be yeah. dormant, that, but it, it, it can... I mean, um, yeah. Dr. Uh, Dr. Sherry Tenpenny, and, you know, it's a bit of a mystery for them that they they don't actually know what this could be. So I'm just really hoping that more more will come out but I don't think it it harms to just not be around people who have been vaccinated until we we know you know it could it might not be anything um well it's definitely something but it might not be anything and by we by we Kelly you mean women effectively obviously we're talking about women here oh yeah like we sort of until we find out but I I personally just don't want to you know I it's not I, I really love my job, but I don't particularly want to risk my health through being around people, you know, if, if it is a problem. Well, it's kind of watch this space then, isn't it? I mean, thanks, yeah. for, thanks for bringing it to our attention. I'm obviously dying to hear from any other women who listen to this programme who might have experienced something similar. And I might be wondering about it. You can get through to us on social media and, and let us know. And we'll follow it up for, for sure. I'll drop a, a mail to... 
Sherry Tenpenny and ask her, you know, what 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 do they think of this going um, going forward, Kelly? But thanks for uh, bringing oh, yeah. it to her attention. Oh. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know if uh, Professor Delors Carhill, I emailed her today. Um, I've been emailing everyone because I am really worried about this because it just um, just it just seemed really odd to me, Richie, that, um, you know, that the, the, the plan would be to vaccinate all the people who are quite naive and, you know, who are quite compliant. And then they cull all those people and then they they leave all the free thinkers who, who won't go along. It just I, I always felt that they had to have something else up their sleeve. It sounds you depressing, know. but it's important to talk about it. I don't know. I'm I'm open minded. Um, I'm like you. I I don't know. I have my suspicions. It just but... didn't make. It didn't make sense to um just so that the 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 people who are obedient are the people who who are cold, leaving us lot to, you know. No, it wouldn't. Would it? It wouldn't make any sense at all. Nothing makes sense, yeah. Kelly. It's certainly not in the last twelve uh, to fourteen months, anyway. Um, I'm no. right out of time. Do me a favor, will you? Stay in touch okay. with me. Uh, stay in touch with me. Let's follow up on this. You're obviously yeah, going to keep can. looking into it, so and you're going to be speaking to people, and you're going to be gleaning yeah. um, information from people and their experiences. So stay in touch with me, and we can pick this up again when there is anything else to say. You can always come okay. back and tell me. Thanks, Richie. Thanks for your show and everything you do. Not at all. And uh, thanks, Kelly. It's lovely to meet you, finally. Okay. And uh, to Philippa as well. All the very best. Cheers, Kelly. Uh, that's uh, Kelly Marr there. Uh, Kelly, second generation Irish woman living in London. Never spoke to her before, but she's um, a big follower of the work of David Icke and has been in touch with me on social media for a number of years. But until today, we hadn't uh, formally met. Uh, I've gone over the time. Uh, that's no big deal, but it's going to be messy later on with the repeat cycle it'll be on Podomatic and the usual podcast providers right soon thanks a million to all the callers who phoned in, to those of you who didn't get through apologies, we'll get you on next time I do a phone in, going to leave you with this from America and say thanks for listening as usual, enjoy the rest of your Tuesday, we'll speak again tomorrow at 5 o'clock UK time it's bye from me, bye now